the meeting to order at six, I'm sorry, 431. Uh, first thing we need to do is recognize any alternates. Yeah, so uh, Eleanor Dilks is here for Susan Mims of Iowa City. Uh, Jennifer Goings uh, was kind enough to sit in for Chris Hoffman of North Liberty. I think, this, I think that's it. That's it. All right, uh, next item will be to consider the approval of the meeting minutes. So move. Second. The first and second. Any other discussion? Hearing nothing. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. All right, it's approved. Uh, next item will be to set the next board meeting uh, date, time, location. Tentatively July 18th by Johnson County. Yeah, we haven't checked with Johnson County to reserve the room quite yet, but we will. Um, the other thing is we our TIPs due July 15th, uh, and we're going to get a slight extension because of the uh, 4th of July holiday. Um, so we're hoping that works for the majority of folks on the board. Problems with anybody? I'll send an alternate. I'll be on vacation, but I'll send an alternate. Thank you, Louise. We might not be back from the National Association of Counties meeting, but we can send an alternate. It's generally a pretty tough time of year for folks. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But. And then also at 4.30, same time? Yes. Yeah. And we'll check, Lisa. We'll follow up on the room, too. We don't need actual action on that, though, right? We just kind of go with that. And Correct. Okay. All right, next item will be public discussion of any items not on the agenda. Is there any public here to speak on anything? I'll take the time, Mr. Chairperson, just for one quick thing. Uh, I think everybody knows Emily Bothell uh, is on our staff. Emily recently uh, took a new position with the MPO, so she's now our senior uh, transportation engineering planner. Uh, so in addition to a lot of the work she was previously doing, she'll also be working with all your staffs on traffic modeling primarily. So congratulations to Emily. Congratulations. Wow. All right, I don't think there's anybody else here, so we'll move on. We're into the item 3A. Um, this is to consider a resolution approving the fiscal year 2019 MPOJC transportation planning work program. Yeah, thank you. So included in your packet is a draft copy of the MPOJC FY19 Transportation Planning Work Program for your review. Uh, the work program identifies all locally requested projects that have been received from each of your individual member entities, as well as general projects and procedures required by the DOT, the Federal Highway Administration, and the Federal Transit Administration. Uh, besides being a federal requirement, uh, we also rely on the work program to gauge our workload and help identify when we need to start projects. Uh, my hope is that you've had a chance to review uh, the work program and let staff know uh, prior to, well, prior to approving this and then we send this on to our federal partners. Um, on May 22nd, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee unanimously recommended approval and unless anyone has any questions or comments about the work program, uh, we're looking for approval of a resolution, uh, again, prior to sending this off to our federal partners. So moved. Second. Our first and a second. Any other discussion? Hearing none. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, no. All right. It's approved. Thank you. Uh, 3B, consider approval of a cooperative agreement between the MPOJC and transit agencies for continuing transportation planning in the urbanized area. Yeah. I'm Brad Newman, Assistant Transportation Planner. Um, last May, you might remember the board approved uh, a resolution um, 
designating, or clarifying, I should say, the MPO standing as a designated recipient of the 5307 uh, transit funding, as well as designating an MPO staff member to carry out certain functions uh, for the transit agencies. Uh, we did this last May. Uh, since that time, uh, Iowa City Transit had their triennial review. And in that review, the FTA said we needed to, well, it was based, we did it because they said we had to update our, our agreements. So we went ahead and did that. Well, now here this last March, Coralville Transit and CAMBUS, University of Iowa, had their triennial reviews. Well, now all of a sudden there's new rules, new requirements, so we have to update the agreements again. So that's what this is. Um, these agreements, uh, they, they incorporate everything that we approved last year, as well as the performance measures uh, for, for uh, transit which you also approved, I think, last fall. We, uh, we adopted, as a board, you adopted the transit uh, performance statistics. Um, and then it also includes the, uh, the MPO designation uh, with the 5307 grants. So all of that is uh, tied up in these new agreements. Um, I'd like to walk through an agreement real quick with, with you. Um, just to kind of point out uh, some of the things that the MPO does for transit. Um, and, and a lot of these will be familiar. You, you approve most of these things that we do. Uh, includes a long-range transportation plan, the passenger transportation plan, which is every five years. Long-range plans every five years as well. The TIP, which we'll be doing here shortly, uh, transportation improvement program. Uh, the work program, which we just went over. Uh, any required documentation for the triennial reviews. We do the ADA uh, appeals process for transit. Um, the folks that ride the seats bus uh, have to apply for that uh, seats uh, pass through Iowa City and Coralville. When they're denied service, uh, they can appeal and they appeal to us. So we, we do that for them as well. Um, transit state of good repair targets, which we talked about in the 5307 grants. And the list goes on and on and on. But what we have to do this year is we had to specifically outline <coughs> our role and our duties. And then the other part of the agreement is the transit roles and what they are responsible for. So everything is outlined. Um, and that's part of the new agreement. Uh, we did send this to the FTA and to the DOT. Uh, and they approved the language. So I think we're good to go uh, on these agreements. So um, TTAC, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee, they recommended unanimously to approve all three of the, uh, the agreements. And these will be signed by um, Mayor Berner as chair of the board. And then the, um, I think it's the uh, city administrators for Iowa City and Coralville. And I think we have Jim, you signing University, so we can change that. So um, we'll talk about that later. But we'll get those out to them, and then uh, these will be available to the FTA and the DOT. Any questions on them? It, it's kind of, I encourage you to look through what the responsibilities are. There's a lot to them. We do a lot of work with transit, so um, it, it was kind of interesting to spell it all out. So any questions there? Yeah, it's really just formalizing what we've already done um, and what we already do and will continue to do, um, but that's what the, the FDA wanted to see. 
the, the triennial reviews this time around for transit were a lot different than they had been in the past, and uh, everything needs to be spelled out. It needs to be on paper, filed somewhere. Um, you can't just talk it through anymore. It's It's got to be in writing, so this is what this is. Any questions? If not, we're looking for a motion for action on this. So moved. All right, we've got a motion. Second. Second. Any other discussion? Okay, hear nothing. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, no. All right, it's approved. Okay. Well, we hope these are good for at least two years until Iowa City's next <laughs> triennial. They're next, so uh, we'll see what happens at that time. Okay, uh, 3C is consider approval of the draft 2019-2022 uh, MPO JC Transportation Improvement Program uh, projects list. Yeah, this is our uh, annual project list. Of course, this is the 19 through, through 22 TIP. This is our annual, annual local programming document for federal and state surface transportation and transit projects. Um, there should be 18 projects on the list. I, there's only 17. I counted them before I came in, and there is one missing. Uh, and so it's the Iowa City um, Highway 1, or Burlington Street, from Capitol Street to Riverside Drive, and it was the median project. Um, it's been in the uh, TIP for a, a number of years. Um, that one, for some reason, did not print out. On your on your printing, so I just wanted to point that out. That if you when you do approve this tonight, it would include that project, and we'll get that figured out. Um, also, within these 18 projects includes all our local STBG and TAP projects, as well as all the DOT projects in our urbanized area. Um, all of our projects, the, the MPO's projects, we did, if they carried over from FY18 to 19, we added 4% uh, inflation basically to the cost of the overall program because we still have to be fiscally constrained. So we did change that with all those. We did add two projects. Um, we, uh, well, this board approved these two projects last year but they were out in 2022, so they were not in last year's TIP, so they will be in this one. Uh, includes University Heights Melrose Avenue project, and I think the other one is, is it North Liberties? Um, 965, their last Correct. phase. So, so those are included in FY22. They're programmed out in 22. Um, let's see, the, and then of course you all know that we opted out of the federal aid swap, so all these projects will be done same as they have been in the past. Um, we'll uh, talk about that again next year. Um, but for now, uh, we will be using it just uh, we using the federal money. Uh, one thing I did want to point out in in 2020, the DOT has indicated that they're going to be taking a strong look at our carryover amounts. Um, and any carryovers that are over basically our target amounts for that four-year period, um, they're going to really take a close look and maybe start taking money away uh, from projects. Uh, so it, it, we really want to make sure and stress that we spend that money when it's programmed, and we don't want to continue to carry these projects over because then that adds up 
and then we get over the amount. Right now, we're okay. Um, we've actually, I think, eliminated five projects uh, from the list from last year's TIP. So we're doing a lot in this area, and the DOT has indicated that we're not in any uh, danger of losing any money. Uh, but we just want to make sure that you're aware Excuse of me, that. but is there a certain percentage that you can't go over? Well, it's... We, we received target amounts for four years in the TIP, and, and you add those up, you shouldn't have, if you start carrying over all these projects, the total gets higher than what is programmed in those four years, and DOT doesn't like to see that. Okay. Um, and like I said, we're okay right now. Um, uh, we did, I think TAP, we were getting close, but I think Iowa City was doing their, um, Highway One um, project, trail project that took that that took that out of the uh, TIP, so that put us back under again. So so we're good for a while, but we just want to make sure you know that, and we'll we'll talk to the engineers for each community to emphasize the need to make sure you're ready to do these projects uh, when they're programmed. So and and the truth is the 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 more um, interaction we have with the DOT, the more and more we're hearing about this. And like Brad said, you know our MPO has always been in good standing, but we keep receiving these stern warnings uh, that you know if we reach a certain amount, they're going to start looking at it. Uh, in 2020, they're saying they should have a policy in place. Uh, they're, they're kind of giving everybody some time to catch up, get some things off the book, so to speak. Um, but in about uh, in, in about 2020, they're talking about having a policy in place. You'll hear, you'll keep hearing this from us as we go through the transportation improvement program process. This fall, we'll be allocating our surface transportation block grant funds and our transportation alternative program funds again uh, because we're on that two-year cycle. Um, so you'll be hearing this kind of message from us as we go through. And as Brad mentioned, um, we'll reach out to all your staffs. Uh, we already warned them, of course, at our technical advisory committee meeting last week. Uh, but we'll continue to work with your staffs and just make sure that everybody's on the same page and we all understand that. The last thing we want to do is program a project, uh, have it carry on for three or four years for, um, you know, whatever reason there might be, and then for have the DOT to start, you know, threatening to really take that money away. So we'll keep, we'll keep warning you. And as Kent mentioned, the TAP projects, um, we did not award any funding last year for TAP because of the new rules with the DOT. So that will be coming back next, uh, next spring along with their STBG money. So we'll have, I think, four years worth of TAP funding. So uh, the pot will be pretty big for trail projects. And I, and I think Brad mentioned this, but just for some of the newer faces in the room too, um, the significance of the TIP is that uh, if your project is not programmed, of course, there is no money available. So it's important that we make sure we're staying on track, getting the, the funding in the TIP correctly, getting it approved on time and, and so on and so forth. So we also, not only the uh, road and bridge projects, but we also have the transit projects. Uh, transit TIP is also included. Most of that is uh, funding for buses. Um, and of course, um, the bus funding comes through the state of Iowa. Uh, and we, uh, all our buses are on the list. And I, I think CAM bus did pretty well a few years back. Iowa City just got 11 buses. Um, I think Coralville before that got a, a handful of buses as well. So I think the fleet here is getting newer and better. Uh, and I think for the most part, almost 100% are the low floor uh, buses. So we don't have to deal with the ramps uh, on the buses. They just, the bus actually kneels down and a ramp comes out and you just walk straight in. So 
um, it's uh, it's getting better now. The price of those buses, of course, are $490,000 or $493,000 for a 40-foot bus now. So uh, the federal government will pay 85% of that cost uh, when we get them funded through the DOT. So anyway, those projects are in there as well. Um, TTAC uh, recommended approval of the, uh, the project list, uh, and we're asking for approval tonight. I'll make oh. that motion. Sorry, one more thing. I'm ready, okay. Uh, after the approval tonight, we'll we'll do our public uh, public input process. We'll implement that, and that includes a 30-day notice published uh, for a public hearing uh, in July. So, sorry. I'll make the motion, including the project, uh, the Highway One project that was left off. Second. All right, we got first and second. Any other discussion? The only thing I'd like to add is <clears throat> I think we're fortunate that our fleet, our transit fleet is um, newer than it has been historically in the area. Mm -hmm. But if you, you just use the state's list, we're going to be behind gonna eventually be again. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're in a good spot now, but even the big numbers that we got in like 2008 and nine are already 10 years old, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think usually you're going to wait about 18 years to replace one. Uh, the useful life on a bus is 12 years, uh, but by the time it gets on the list after 12 years, uh, it's another four, five, six years before the funding. Well, funding comes, and then it's another year before you can get the bus because uh, they have to build it. So it's, uh, I think it averages about 18 years to get a to get a new bus. So, like Jim said, we have a lot of new buses, but. You're going to have to replace them all at the same time, too. So, any other discussion? Not all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? No. It's approved. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> uh, we're up to 3D. Um, this is an update on the Crandick uh, passenger rail study. Yeah, as you know, we're working with uh, the DOT, the Cranick Railroad, and the uh, and HDR Consulting um, on a Phase Three passenger rail study. Um, we have been working with them, going back and forth on the scope and the cost. Uh, we did have a uh, conference call with them today to try and work some of those issues out. Uh, unfortunately, the cost for the Phase Three came in probably twice what it was the previous two studies. And, and I think the, the issue there is the modeling and how much modeling they have to do um, to refine the ridership numbers um, and the, so they can get a good financial forecast out of that. So uh, I think the problem is, um, I think they took it as doing the modeling and doing the study to get ready for a grant application with FTA which requires a lot of work. Uh, and I just don't think we're there yet, and we don't need a lot of that work right now, unless you want to apply for an FTA grant. Um, I think we were looking more at getting the numbers to you um, so you can make a decision on whether or not to move forward on passenger rail service. Uh, that is kind of, that's what we were uh, trying to do, and I don't think we're ready for an FTA grant. That might be a few years down the road. It, you, you, you will need uh, matching funds for that, and I'm sure none of you have budgeted for any of that at this point in time. So it does take a little bit, and we're going to have to update all those numbers when that time comes. So we're trying to get 
um, a little less work on the FTA side through the consultant, and hopefully that'll drop the cost down uh, where we can actually move forward. So unfortunately, we don't have anything for you tonight, um, but hopefully uh, we'll hear more next week uh, and go from there. Why does it take so long? I mean, why are these studies take seemingly months, an endless amount of time? Um, you know, you think of the original railroads, you know, they didn't do yeah. these passenger studies, they just built it. Yeah. And I know it's not that simple, but I think there's the will on this board to, to move it forward. Mm -hmm. um, and, and secondly, how, how do they make projections on what the ridership's going to be if there's no existing current ridership? How do they develop those metrics? Well, the, the stops model, and I think we did provide that at a, maybe not the last meeting, but two meetings ago, and I can send it to you again. They have their whole methodology on how they came up with the ridership numbers, uh, and that was between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, but it, it, it did include the portion of Iowa City to North Liberty, um, and that... I can't really tell you, but I can send you that information. It's primarily based on um, population and um, jobs. So it, it looks at it looks at all. It's it's similar to the MPO's traffic model in a lot of ways, okay. different but similar, where you, we have all these uh, attractors and then we have all these destinations. So what it does basically is use census data and breaks that down into a uh, what we call a traffic analysis zone. So it's this different geography, and then their model is able to able to as best it can predict. Uh, who needs to get from point A to point B, and then from that they can they can gain an estimate of ridership. Um, and, and like Brad said, what I, I don't think the consultant totally understands where we're at locally. Um, and, and what they are suggesting, as Brad mentioned, is about twice the original cost of the other two studies. So we're up around $100,000 right now, which split uh, you know a third between the DOT, a third uh, paid by Crandic, and a third paid by the local governments isn't a lot of money. But to be honest, Rocky, I don't know if we're quite there yet. You know, nobody's got any match funds, I'm sure, in their five-year CIPs right now. And what the consultant told us this afternoon was that, you know, yeah, in five years by the time you have your match funds and a CIP anyway, you're going to have to update all these numbers for an FTA grant. So by the these, these numbers are going to seem stale to the FTA uh, in five years, and we would likely just have to spend the same amount of money to hire somebody to re-up those numbers, get it into a grant, and then actually uh, submit it for for federal funding. So it, it seems a little bit of a waste of funds right now to spend that money to sit on it until we're all ready to actually implement a passenger rail and then just have to redo it again. I think what, as Brad had mentioned, what we really need is just a solid number that we can use so that all of our jurisdictions jurisdictions, excuse me, can actually decide if they want to move forward, how much funding they're going to be able to put into this, so on and so forth. So is our first ride at least five years away? Is that what we're looking at time frame? I know, yes, I think at least. I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, to even have, um, I think to even have the matching funds, you know, if we're talking about a $40 million passenger rail system just between North Liberty and Iowa City, which is kind of the number that, the, that we got out of the phase two study, I mean, just a 20% match on 40 million is gonna take communities quite a while to come up with, um, and it's certainly not going to be something that probably jumps up in the CIP, um, at least I would guess not for most of your communities. Then you've got all the implementation, who runs it, do we have a transit authority, That's, is it a taxing authority, I mean, it, it's going to get pretty complicated. Um, but I think we just need a good, solid ridership number so we can just see, is this even viable or not, you know, which is really what the third study should show. Is it viable, and uh, we need revenue forecasts, which will come off that um, ridership number. And then I think everyone then can really get down to it, and then in budget season, figure out if we're going to move forward or not.
in real operating costs because I think it was right. grossly understated in the right. last. Right, right. That's another portion of what would be the third study. So, so it's not so. It, so to, to directly answer your question, I think Rodney, is it, it takes a while because we just have to work through the scope with a, a consultant that really doesn't understand the local climate. You know, they think we're ready to go and put in this FTA grant. Well, even if we put in the FTA grant, there's no matching funds. So then the grant would be taken away. You know, it's just the, they're a little bit out of order on the sequence, I think, um, and unfortunately. As we all know, this stuff just takes some time. So, um, but we want to make sure we get the the scope right. Uh, if there's anything I've learned about working with contracts, is if the scope isn't accurate, you don't get what you want back, and then you know, then we all look bad. So, frustrating though, I understand. And, uh, yeah, no, the DOT is ready for a grant. <laughs> they're they're more than willing to help us with a grant application. Uh, with FTA, so, but it is competitive, competitive grants, and we have to be ready. But I think first we need to decide whether we're moving forward, and then, like Kent said, there's a lot of other hurdles uh, to work out. Yeah, I, I think we'll have a scope. I mean, I think we'll have a scope and a, a reasonable um, fee estimate within the next, I would say, several weeks. And then, to be honest, at that point, I didn't necessarily anticipate bringing that back to this board because the board already suggested that we move <coughs> forward. I would just probably contact all the uh, city administrators and, and county administration just to make sure we're okay with moving forward at that point in time. You know, we're talking in the um, 10,000 or less dollar range for each one of the entities, so it's pretty reasonable. And I, I did include kind of a, well, it's a summary of what has been done so far in the last few years, uh, including phase one and phase two and the DOT study with the I-380. Um, and also mentioned the uh, proposed rails to trail study, uh, which we'll follow up on as well. Um, that's with, I think, Iowa City and the university um, wanting to do that. And we'll run that at the same time, hopefully, as the uh, phase three study for passenger rail. Any other questions? The only thing I'd ask is we, I know we're a third of the, the pie in that puzzle, but we just, you know, we all agreed to move forward with this study in January. So whatever we can do to expedite our piece and be responsive as we can, just so we can move on. Sure. Brad, can you um, remind me what the uh, phase two study said about ridership? What was it? An, wasn't there an annual number that was uh, quite I impressive? I want to say it was in the, th 3,600 a day, I think, range. And I think that's way overstated. And I think the operating was 1.4 million that's a right. year. And this was <coughs> from Iowa City to, to North Liberty. Not quite North Liberty. Uh, for Evergreen Road. For, yeah. yeah. And this study, of course, wouldn't, wouldn't take it all the way up to Penn Street and North Liberty. So that We'll add on that mile or I mean, I've whatever. said this right from the, when you first came to the county that you go from Iowa City to Forever Green, you've already got buses that do that. And so I don't get where you're going to get all this ridership. But if you go beyond that, mm -hmm. that's where you're going to get your, yeah. your people who are interested in, in a quicker commute or an, well, an easier commute, not having to park and deal with traffic and such. Yeah, some um, of those bus routes may change as well. We don't probably won't need both. Um, running the same, so train would take care of some of that. 
still kind of like to know yeah. where all those numbers are. And I think at the at the time, I think it just it was just suggested by the consultant we stop at Forever Green. You go north and you have a lot of crossings just added to the cost. So, right. Um, was this a consultant you were saying that doesn't really know our area? Uh, yeah, they understand the area. I just don't think they understand kind of the, um, Our the political climate yeah. we're in. They don't really understand how the MPO functions and that we've got more than one organization that's interested. You know, they, I mean, their their expertise is in rail and, and rail studies. So, you know, they, they don't totally get where we're at, I guess, in the process. And, and the studies did show that anything north of North Liberty was not feasible at all. So most of the ridership was between North Liberty and Iowa City. Not much to Cedar Rapids. So, I guess I don't know. I'm still a little puzzled why they're calling to the you know right there to Forever Green North Liberty. I mean, you're really not there yet. You're not too. I mean, yeah, in this so study, it's not a real depiction of where you're going to... And, and for this study, we've all agreed, I think, that it should go to Penn. And and to be completely frank, I think part of the reason to stop it at Forever Green in the past was North Liberty was sort of wavering on whether they were interested in the study or not at all. So I think it was a way to to just get it moving okay. and, and well, get that... I, I, I have a done. different memory is they were wavering because you were stopping at North at yeah, Forever Green. Yeah, I don't think they, that was the case, but I think okay. Johnson County paid uh, North Liberty's share of the last we did. Uh, survey. Yeah, yeah. Right. so and, and not knocking North Liberty it was just yeah. a decision that North Liberty had to make at the time, and um, I think that was part of the reason we stopped at Forever Green. Anything else? We'll move it along as quickly as we can. Okay, next item 3E, an update on the uh, MPO Federal Quadrennial Review. Yeah, thank you. Just a quick update. Uh, back in December of last year, uh, we were visited by the Iowa DOT, the Federal Highway Administration, and the Federal Transit Administration. Uh, they conducted an on-site planning review of basically the MPO and all the MPO's functions. So this is our federal review. Uh, it's done uh, no less than every four years uh, and was completed, as I mentioned, last fall. Uh, we just got the report um, not too long ago, which is why I'm bringing it to you tonight. Um, the review consists of a comprehensive on-site review covering all MPO planning and administrative, administrative activities, uh, including MPO structure and agreements, which includes our budgets, our 28E agreements between each of your communities and the MPO, uh, our bylaws. Uh, it goes on to review transit planning agreements and plans, uh, our public participation process, uh, civil rights policies, including Title VI, environmental justice, um, limited English profic proficiency, and so on. Uh, and then it also reviews all of the documents that you approve throughout the year, our transportation improvement program, our work program, our long-range plans, and make sure everything's in order. Uh, I attached a copy of the complete review in your packets, uh, just for your reference. Uh, and you'll see that there's a couple different things they have in there. One is that they provide recommendations to us uh, on things that we can improve. Uh, they, have they have several commendations in the, the study, or excuse me, in the um, report where the MPO is operating at a high level. And then there's also, uh, I'm also very pleased to report that there's no corrective actions. So if there's corrective actions, that's a very bad thing. They've got to be uh, addressed immediately. Um, and then you can move on uh, with your planning. Uh, but I'm happy to report there were no corrective actions. Uh, this was my first uh, quadrennial review 
as the director for a full four years. I've been through four reviews, but this was my first, so needless to say, uh, I was pretty nervous going into the review. Uh, but we ended up coming out with the flying colors. Uh, there were no um, corrective actions, like I mentioned, and I really attribute that success to our uh, planning staff. So happy to report that and happy to answer any questions that you might have. Nice job. Thank you. It's a big load off when we get through that one. And like Brad mentioned, uh, the triennial review for the transit agencies was probably a little bit tougher this year. Uh, just depends on who they bring in to review. Uh, I would argue that ours was a little easier this year, actually, this round. Um, in, in the past, it's sort of a situation where they try and find something wrong somewhere. Uh, this year, it was a little more friendly. So I hope that continues <laughs> as we move forward. Any questions? Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Okay, other business, we got an update on the bike to work week. Yeah, hello, I'm Sarah Walls with the MPO. Um, just a little explanation about how um, Bike to Work Week comes together. It's largely put together by volunteers from various um, bicycle organizations, um, other volunteers, the bike shops, all work together to come up with events. Um, the um, Think Bicycles of Johnson County serves as the clearinghouse and um, coordinates grants and puts together the calendar. And then the MPO assists with communications between the communities but we do do a few things we get the proclamations out to those communities that want to declare um, bicycle to work week and bike month um, we also coordinate the bike bus car race which Mike Carberry and Pauline Taylor and also Virginia Miller um, participated in this year we coordinate that and then we also get the bike maps out to all the communities and you all have the new um, trail maps there with you um, the big event is always the um, new pioneer co-op to co-op ride that goes was between Iowa City and Coralville, and um, the Iowa City Police Department was very helpful, and the crews that are out working on the Gateway Project because we rode right through the Gateway <laughs> Project <laughs> at about six o'clock in the evening, so that went off well, and I think there were probably about 100 riders participating in that this year. Um, we would like to thank especially Ann Duggan and Larry Fitzpatrick that um, work with Johnson County um, Think Bicycles um, because they do a lot of the core coordination um, effort and um, attend a lot of the events. Also, you know Bob Opliger from the Technical Advisory Committee works a lot with the bike rodeos that go on at the various schools. And and we had events in all of the different communities, and I think one of the bike rides went all the way up to Solon, so the, the entire county is sort of getting involved in Bike to Work Week. Yeah, I think Bob put, put on something like 30 rodeos yeah. in, a, in a couple of weeks and <laughs> I attended one man. <laughs> and I actually attended one for my children uh, at, at our school and I bet there were 50 or 60 kids there so really impressive um, Jeff's bike and ski was there uh, offering some free tune-ups and things like that so yeah really the local events. bike shops really do a lot of work as well and a lot of um, sort of goodwill sort of efforts in the community so it's it's a, it's a great thing a great volunteer effort thank you thanks for the update Moving on to 4B, we've got an update from Iowa City staff on significant community projects. Good afternoon, Jason Hovel, city engineer for City of Iowa City. I promise to keep this brief. I understand I'm between you and the exit. So, um, 
just a, I'll just kind of hit the highlights. Obviously, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, this list seems to be getting uh, longer and longer. I think we're adding to it before we can cross them off. But kicking things off with the Gateway Project, uh, the big update there right now is that Park Road is closed, uh, closed shortly after the completion of the school year. And the plan is to have that closed essentially all summer. So it will uh, reopen hopefully the week before uh, school is back in session. The goal there is obviously with the paving, they're starting to work their way to the south. Um, so they're, they're chugging along there. Work on the bridge continues. Uh, the goal would be once that park road section does open up again, essentially a lot of it will be tied together and we'll be able to start using the, the full travel lanes and, and use of the bridge. Um, one sort of milestone that will be in there is we do have um, something we're working on to have access for the bridge and city park completed by Ragbri. So the goal would be on the west side of the river would be access from park road to the, not only the trails, but also um, vehicle access to, to city park. Um, um, also, we are hoping that by that time we'll have at least a temporary connection for the Park Road Bridge for uh, support vehicles for Ragbride to use the bridge at least temporarily during that overnight stay. Um, it will close again after that, but um, at least temporarily for that event, hopefully we'll have access to, to City Park. Uh, Ped Mall reconstruction is ongoing. Um, right now they're focused on the intersection of College Street and Dubuque Street, um, working on that area. That's the area that will be the future stage. Um, right now they're working on foundations and, and kind of getting that ready for not only stage, but also the canopy, um, utility work, that kind of stuff. Um, that'll be a two-year project. 2018, they'll focus on the north-south section, um, and then 2019 will be the east and west portion of that project. A um, couple overlay projects going on this year. Um, we're partnering with the DOT to work on Highway 6 and Highway 1. Um, just for comparison, the, the scope from a dollar amount this year is roughly four to five times what we normally do in a year. So it's um, pretty massive on uh, the scale for that type of project. Um, the Highway 6 project will be essentially from Coralville down to Sturgis Corner. Um, that will also include um, work at the Myrtle Avenue intersection. With that, we'll signalize that intersection, we'll add turn lanes at that intersection, and also provide for crossing of Riverside Drive um, in that location to provide access to the, the river trail there. Um, on the Highway 1 portion, That'll be Burlington Street, kind of from Van Buren to Summit, um, and then from uh, for Governor Street from Burlington up to Dodge. So again, another long section. Uh, the highlight there is when that is complete, there will be a bike lane installed on Governor Street. Um, in conjunction with that, we're actually gonna restripe uh, re Dodge Street to include a bike lane on that section as well. So the, the one-way pair will, will both have uh, bike lanes for that stretch. Um, Burlington-Clinton intersection improvements, um, that, were, that work will include water main work, which they're wrapping up now. So if you've been on Burlington Street recently, you've seen kind of the, the havoc they've been causing out there. Hopefully that's uh, nearly wrapped up. Um, with that, there'll be a new signal at the intersection, new curb ramps, that kind of stuff. Um, we'll also be adding turn lanes on um, Clinton Street at that intersection. And then beyond that for 
Clinton Street, we'll be doing a four-lane to three-lane conversion. Um, I believe it's from Court to Jefferson, so kind of that middle section. Um, and then the entire stretch of Clinton Street will have bike lanes. So all the way from Church down to Benton will have bike lanes. And then finally, Riverfront Crossings Park uh, have three separate phases all kind of going on right now. Phase one was kind of the base project that was the, the creek improvements, the grading, the bridge, um, the trails, all that kind of stuff uh, is coming along. Looking at completion probably July timeframe. Um, they're coming along there, so should have that one completed here shortly. Phase two was the nature play area. That one had a soft, uh, soft opening, I believe it was this last weekend. Um, so that's pretty much complete. Um, and then phase three included restroom, uh, storage uh, structure, as well as lighting for the trails in, in that area and looking at probably an October completion for that one. So it's a quick rundown. Hopefully uh, um, that covers most of it, but any questions? Yes? Just a comment, I walked through that nature play area today. First time I look at it from my office window all the time, so I've been watching the progress. So it was pretty cool to it's be right there. It's definitely a unique feature. It's going to be yeah. really nice. I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Go play in the creek. Yeah. <laughs> during breaks. You expect that during the Ragbri sort of temporary opening of the bridge, that transit that's connecting campground areas to downtown will have the ability to use the bridge. That is the plan. So essentially what we are hoping for is that there would be one lane each direction as well as uh, pedestrian accommodations across the bridge. What that will look like exactly, I don't know at this point. There's a couple of things that have to fall into place, but that's what we're, we're planning on at this point. Um, and I guess just one other thing I wanted to mention, um, had a meeting earlier today with the university and they were, had brought this question up, but also with the overlay project on Riverside Drive, uh, Highway 6, uh, there will be a 60-day closure of Myrtle Avenue as part of that work is occurring. So Riverside Drive will stay open at least one lane each direction, but there will be a 60-day closure of Myrtle Avenue. So I think that's all I got. Great. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. That takes care of our business. Does anybody want to make a motion to adjourn? So moved. Okay. Motion and a second. All those in favor of adjournment say aye. 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 Thanks, everyone. <laughs>